You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Assembly Call. I am your guest host for the week, second week in a row here, Galen Clavio. we got Ryan Phillips joining us as well as we are getting set to break down Indiana's defeat to the Louisville Cardinals. A hard-fought game, uh, certainly an interesting game, a game that IU was in for almost the entirety of and led for a decent period of the first half. Uh, but the Hoosiers just uh, unable to come up with enough at the end uh, to make it happen. They end up losing 71-62. to 62. It was a closer game than that, uh, and we'll get into all of that and uh, just kind of talk about what happened with this team and why they ended up on the short end of the stick on the road against the Cardinals. Uh, let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And our Banner Moment for the evening really happened earlier on in the contest uh, the uh, the Hoosiers really got off to a nice offensive start, one of the nicer offensive starts we've seen this year. And, uh, you know, right around the eight-minute timeout, we saw Josh Newkirk hit a three-pointer to extend the lead to 23-13. to and, and really, at that point, you're looking at the way that this IU team had played up to that point and saying, I like the chances of this team. If they can continue that sort of offensive rhythm, if they can continue to force difficult shots for Louisville throughout the course of the game, uh, you know, it, it really looked like it was going to add up to something positive. And we'd seen a lot of, of good contributions up to that point uh, from IU offensively. Jerron Davis had scored. Uh, Devontae Green had come in and hit a jumper. Juwan Morgan to hit a three-pointer, which is a little bit of a rarity. Uh, and, and they had taken what had been a three-point game and pushed it all the way out to 10. And, uh, you know, really at that point, I thought it was probably the most optimistic we got all, all game. So that is uh, your Hoosier Proud banner moment. And our banner moment is always – is brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers and for Hoosiers. So why should you check out the website HoosierProud.com? Well, three good reasons for you. Number one, their designs. Hoosier Proud has officially licensed IU gear, as well as a bunch of really cool and interesting designs that are inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. Plus, they are the official provider of our assembly call logo t-shirts. You should pick yourself up one of those. Number two, philanthropy. This is a very philanthropic company. Hoosier Proud donates a portion of their revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And the number three reason to visit HoosierProud.com, their generosity. As an assembly call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order. Just use the promo code assembly at checkout. Go ahead and check them out at HoosierProud.com. All right, time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the other member of our team, Ryan Phillips, with Ryan's Rant, brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Ryan, I know you probably got a lot to say, so go ahead and oh, take it away. Yeah, this was a rough one. Uh, you know, look, I, I thought that uh, defensively, I thought Indiana played pretty well today. I, I thought, look, Louisville's a difficult team to score on because of their length. I mean, they have abnormal length that Indiana, other than Duke, probably isn't going to face all year. Um so I think they've got those two out of the way, which thank God. Um, but with 241 left, Deron Davis made two free throws. Uh, and at that point, Indiana had nobody scored until there was 59 seconds left uh, from that. So you had two minutes of no scoring. Indiana had four chances to come down and cut the lead from four and got one point on a Deron Davis made free throw with 58 seconds left. So that's two minutes where you had a chance to go out and win the game or at least tie it and bring it closer. And, and they didn't do it. You had uh, Juwan Morgan missed a jump shot. Josh Newkirk missed a three. Juwan Morgan missed a layup. Uh, and then you had Deron Davis getting fouled and, and shooting two free throws uh, and making one of them. So, you know, just at some point, somebody needs to step up there and, and nobody did. And, and I think that was the big takeaway for me is that offensively, look, 
again, Louisville is always a difficult team to play, uh, you know, to run an offense against because they usually have length, they're athletic, and they pressure the ball. That was true with Rick Pitino. It looks like it's going to be true with David Padgett as well. Um, but at the same time, that's why you have seniors. That's why you have veterans. You have guys who can step up. And, and I think we can all agree that Robert Johnson was terrible today. Uh, he's your your you know longest tenured veteran guy who's played the most there. And uh, he didn't score a point today. It was 0 of 6 from the field, 0 of 4 from three-point range. Looked completely – he had no confidence whatsoever. Uh, and And – you know, even when he would drive in the lane, he wouldn't even be looking at the rim. And and that's got to change. I mean, it just has to change. Or why is he on the floor? Um, yeah, I know he plays good defense and he did play pretty well today defensively. But at the same time, you've got to be able. I mean, he's essentially right today. He played like the reverse James Blackman Jr., where, you know, James would give you a lot of the offensive end and nothing defensively. Well, that makes you a nothing. I mean, that essentially evens you out as a player. And, and Rob did the same thing, just the opposite way today. And um, so I think that, you know, that was the most disheartening part. At the same token, I thought Josh Newkirk, for the most part, uh, picked up and played pretty well. I know he turned the ball over four times, but a couple of those were trying to force something because nothing was going on on offense and and there was nothing there. But I, I appreciated his hustle and at least trying to make something happen. He shot a lot of threes. A couple of those were late in the clock when nobody else was open. Uh, but at the same time, I thought his hustle on both ends of the floor was was a positive. So there's my balance is that, you know, that's one senior trying to step up. He's just not as talented as some of the other guys on the floor. Um, but I thought that, I think that Robert Johnson really needs to get better. This team's going to struggle. I mean, they need his scoring. They need his outside shooting and it's clearly not there. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Johnson's stat line, you mentioned it, uh, you know, over six from the field, over four from three, no assists to uh, one turnover, 35 minutes. This was the yeah. guy that played the most minutes of anybody for this IU team. And look, you know, I mean, he certainly has had his defenders and and, and certainly there have been some criticisms of him that, uh, you know, have been probably unfair. But sure. yeah. this is no, the it's kind a confidence of, thing a lot, of, a lot of the time right now. It's well, not a skill thing, you know. Well, There's a lot of confidence going on. It's kind of confidence problems going on. I agree with that. But I guess the issue is in this sort of a game, you know, you're on the road, you're playing a top 25 caliber opponent. This is where you have to step up. You know, yep. the, the issue is not, okay, if you don't have confidence in your shot, fine. Uh, Find other at ways, least yeah. draw the defense so that you can get your 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 teammates good shots, at least 100%. be able to make the extra pass, you know, to, to have no assists through 35 minutes and to have taken six shots. I mean, it just it's just baffling to me that, he's not able to contribute more than he was able to contribute in this game. And that's yeah, inexcusable. You're right. Yeah. I mean, and so look, I mean, and I don't know what the answer is at this point because ultimately Robert Johnson, you know, he does provide defense. He is, you know, probably the most tenured player on this team. And Archie Miller has been pretty consistent in the way that he's doled out minutes so far where Robert Johnson is going to get over 30 minutes over almost every game. Josh Newkirk is going to get over 30 minutes. And as you mentioned, at least Josh Newkirk was trying things. He took some ill-advised shots. Yeah, he ended course. up two for eight from three. But he was at least penetrating. He was looking for his teammates. He had some pretty good dishes there in the second half. You know, He was able to get some things going offensively. And you just saw none of that from Robert Johnson. Even when he would try to penetrate the lane, he would oftentimes get checked early and then look like he didn't know what to do with the ball. Pull and, back out or, or yeah. yeah. No, with him, I, I think if you're not making your shots and you're Robert Johnson, you got to get it to the rim. You got to get to the rim and you got to turn the corner. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see guys, and we've talked about this on the assembly call before, is you see guys dribble towards the top of the key and, and sort of just kind of do a little curve around the top of the key and then pass it away to another perimeter guy. You got to turn the corner. I mean, at some point. Or else, you're, or else that that dribbling doesn't do anything because they know you're not going to go into the lane. Uh, you've got to have the threat of being able to get into the lane and get north and south and get you know towards the hoop, or else you, you're just really a vehicle to move the ball. And and you know offensively, you're no better than like a, a Zach McRoberts out there. You know, I mean Zach McRoberts is there to do several things. He scored today, so he was clearly better offensively. But no, Zach McRoberts is there to do some things and contribute. But offensively, you don't look to him to score your points and. Right. If you're not turning the corner, you're not getting the rim, you feel the same way about Rob right now. And and, and that's a problem. And Robert Johnson was, I know, again, plus minus has its issues, but Robert Johnson was minus 16 today, which was the worst uh, of anybody on either team. So um, 
that's a problem. I mean, that's your, again, the guy coming into the season expecting to rely on and, and you're not able to. So uh, that was a problem. And then you look at, you know, Al Durham played like a freshman today. Yeah. So again, you know, he had five turnovers and, and look again, defensively, he had some, he had some really nice moments, but he played as you expect freshmen to play at times. And, and that's going to happen all year on and off with these younger guys. Um, so somebody else has to step up in that place. And so, and, and, and really Robert Johnson didn't. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, first of all, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Galen Clavio here with Ryan Phillips for breaking down the loss to Louisville. Uh, you know, I think that certainly we can dwell on on Robert Johnson. We can dwell on some of the issues with, with uh, Al Durham or with Josh Newkirk. They did get a very good performance today out of their front court players. Uh, you know, in, in somewhat limited sure. minutes due to somewhat terrible officiating by Ted Valentine and company, which we'll get to a little bit later. You know, Juwan Morgan in only 23 minutes, 17 points, nine rebounds. He was seven for 12 from the floor. Uh, Deron Davis was, you know, he was five for seven from the floor. He was actually four for six from free throw line, which is better than we would probably expect from him. He had 14 points, seven rebounds. Uh, you know, the, it was a pretty impressive performance from those guys, especially, especially when you consider the quality of the yeah. opponents that they were playing. I mean, that is a tough Louisville front line, and both of those guys really got in there and while they were in the game, got things done. Uh, you could put a gun to my head, and I couldn't get a shot up against Mahmoud. I mean, I don't know how they're doing it. You know, I mean, this is it. at some point you're just kind of like, uh, you know what? You guys take it. I can't get. I mean, you know, and give Louisville credit; they they played very well in there as well. But Indiana just what I liked to see about it is they were using their strength and their mind at the same time. You know, they were outwitting them, and you know, against superior length, you have to be stronger. And and, and I thought. Davis and Morgan both were. You would you'd like to see even more out of them, I know, but that's a lot to ask again against that line. So hopefully, you know, you see those guys building towards something with uh, you know, as we move towards Big Ten play, you know, the the heart of Big Ten play. Uh, because I know ridiculously we're already in Big Ten play, but whatever, that's a topic for another time. Um but we'll just no, call I, it, we'll just call it January and Big yeah, okay. yeah, thank you. Uh but, you know, as they move towards that, we're starting to see them have so much more confidence attacking offensively um, and mix it up on the on the offensive glass as well. So I, that's a real positive for Indiana because, again, they're not going to face this kind of length again. I mean, Michigan State will verge on that, but that's the only team really where they're going to face guys that are that much bigger than bigger and longer than them. And, and they really had their way inside. The key is getting balance from the perimeter and, and they definitely didn't have that today, but I certainly kudos and hats off to, to Juwan Morgan and Deron Davis, two guys who have become the guys you rely on, on this team. It seems like, you know, undoubtedly. Thanks to all of you for joining us here. We'll be back uh, right after this. Coming up on the Assembly Call, I'll be pointing out today's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers. That's next on Assembly Call. Be sure to leave some comments on the YouTube channel. If you want to get at us on Twitter, you can do that as well, at Assembly Call or at CrimsonCast. We'll look at that as well. Stick with us right after this. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Galen Clavio here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's loss to the Louisville Cardinals. And it is time for the meaningful moment that you might have missed. And uh, this one, I think, really started, it happened earlier on in the contest. And it was something that you know, really changed the complexion of the game. At the 14 minute and 30 second mark of the first half, 
there was a bad Colin Hartman turnover. And, and I'm not saying this to pick on Colin per se, but he got up in the air. He didn't know what to do with the ball. He ended up throwing it away. It ends up being a turnover. That transitions into Deron Davis's first foul. Uh, Davis ends up committing a foul under the basket on the other side. And about five minutes later, at about the nine-minute mark, Davis picks up his second foul. Juwan Morgan already has two fouls. Both of them end up on the bench. And they're on the bench basically for the entire rest of the second half. And at that point, you know, IU was able to push the lead back out to 10 points for a little bit. But it was always kind of a matter of can they hang on with those two guys on the bench? Can they, can they you know, keep some semblance of the lead? And at the end of the day, they couldn't. The lead gets dribbled down to one. And ultimately, Ryan, they lost the momentum that they'd had in that early stage by the fact that both of those guys were on the bench during that time yeah. period. It's just interesting. It's like one – we've talked about this before with this IU team. Their, their defense is so dependent on their offense executing well. I mean, even, even if it's a well-timed shot that misses, at least that gives them a chance to get back. But when they have turnovers or when they have bad shots, it always tends to lead to something bad. And in this case – you know, that one foul at the 14-30 mark ends up leading to, you know, what ended up happening really in the entire second portion of the first half. Yeah, and, and what was interesting there is, you know, IU did get some good possessions, and Devontae Green had two three-pointers that were down and out. I mean, they legitimately rattled on the inside and came out. And, um, you know, I hope those don't st didn't stem his confidence for the rest of the game. I, he didn't really take anything after that. But he had two threes that were down and out. They didn't go. I think the letdown from that, not only, as you said, sometimes they run good offense, uh, you know, and, and don't score. They seem to keep that momentum going. Um, but it seemed like then, you know, Louisville came down, got a couple threes, uh, which they hadn't hit all game, and, and really closed the lead right there. And, and they're not a good three-point shooting team, but they have a couple guys who can hit. And and you know those, uh, I think it was was it Williams who hit the the two threes there to to cut it closer. And um, you know, so it just it was it was sort of a confluence of of bad things. It's those fouls, and they were able. I was surprised how well Indiana was able to hang on with Morgan and, and, and Davis on the bench. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, uh, you know, you kind of felt like it was a matter of time until Louisville got back into it. And, you know, give Louisville credit, not a good three-point shooting team. They hit nine today. Yeah. I mean, they they're, they're, and they really didn't shoot. At the end of the day, they didn't shoot that well. They only shot 34.4% on the game, which is what they normally shoot, basically. I think they're about a 33% shooting team. But – they hit the shots. Three, In shooting, shooting percentage is always a weird statistic because it doesn't tell you how important the shots are as they're going in. And yes. those threes that they hit in the first half were they were backbreaking from a momentum standpoint because they kept bringing it closer and closer to a tie game, and and really that kind of set the scene for the second half. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And then and then you know right off the front foot in the second half for Indiana, you're 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 playing, you know a different game than you were for most of the first half where yeah. you had about a 10 to, you know, like a six to 10 point lead. You're immediately, you know, Louisville comes in and, and scores right away and you're behind, you know, okay. so it really does change the whole tenor of the game. Um, I, I, you know, it's interesting watching this Indiana team because look, they had 15 turnovers today. You expected that number was going to be higher against Louisville than it had been against the other, the recent games they played where they've been averaging about nine. Um, but I think that some of those turnovers came in such bad situations that it really it affected the team more. Yeah. You know, then I think that okay, well, you got six more turnovers than you usually get. Okay, whatever. You know, uh, this was because Louisville had twelve. You know, so it wasn't like they were so far ahead of the other team and just throwing the ball all over the court. I thought that this was kind of the way the game went. But some of those turnovers were just backbreakers. You felt like well, and and. and and it was, it, it was a lot of it, frankly, was who the turnovers were coming from. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the breakdown on turnovers, he had, you know, Al Durham had five. Josh Newkirk had four. And, you know, nobody else had more than two. But Hartman had two. McRoberts had two. They almost always seemed to be in situations where Louisville was, was either able to capitalize immediately offensively or – it just was kind of a backbreaker on a possession that looked like it was going to turn into something better. That that's what I think it was is that things weren't going badly and then there'd be a turnover, you yeah. know. And and Newkirk is as I've defended him here, he, he was handling the ball so much that it didn't seem like he turned the ball over that much. Honestly, right. it, you know, he, he because of how much he had. the Al Durham ones was just totally a guy trying to do way too much. He'd get into the lane and just lose the ball. 
you know, you're going to get that with a freshman. I mean, course, it's you know, I, it, the the idea that Al Durham was going to, you know, go through this whole season with a a, a sub ten percent turnover rate, it just it wasn't going to happen. No, of course not. And 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 you know, and Justin Smith too looked uh, overwhelmed by the by the competition today. And again, it's going to happen. He's a freshman. I, I thought that at times when he was in the game, he looked very confident and looked like he belonged. And then at times, he he looked like he was completely overwhelmed by it. And you know, freshman, it's going to happen. You know, if you're not a lottery, and a lot of people want guys to come in and be Marvin Bagley and just dominate from get one. I mean, the number of guys who do that in college basketball is so small um, that that you have to just have a realization that not everybody's a first round, uh, you know, and not everyone's a lottery pick and not everyone's going to come in and play like a lottery pick. So these guys need to develop. They need time on the floor. And uh, you're seeing it doesn't always take one year. It sometimes takes two for these guys to really get where they're going. And you're seeing that with a guy like Devontae Green going through some growing pains this year as well. But I think that in the end, I mean, I know it's a loss and we're all upset, but in the end, there are positives to take away from the game, specifically the way they play defensively for most of the game, considering you know, how much bigger Louisville was, how much more talented Louisville is. Uh, I thought they really hung in there. Uh, but offensively, yeah, the, the perimeter, it needs to get better. There just has to be somebody you can rely on out there consistently, and, and it doesn't seem like there is right now. A few stats for you from the game of note. Uh, IU was actually trending above a point per possession for most of the contest, and their offense just absolutely died off at the end. So they ended up uh, with an offensive efficiency of 94.5. Louisville ended up at 106.6. Um, and that was boosted late, too, I think, from the, from them. It was, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of got away from them a little later on. Uh, the turnover rate for IU, about 23%. For Louisville, 18%. Both teams rebounded exactly the same. They, they had the same yeah. offensive and defensive rebounding percentages, which against a team like Louisville, I, I wouldn't have guessed, uh, particularly I, I think- when, you went nine, when you went nine minutes without having either of your two top post players on the floor. Well, and I think that's the kind of thing where you, if you told us before the game that they the rebounding battle would be even you'd think indiana be in the game yeah. and they were i mean but that was you know certainly i think a surprise and you could tell the the espn guys you know uh, billis and, and showman were surprised at how well indiana was rebounding against that length iu also shot 53 percent from inside the arc a pretty good percentage that was actually better than louisville shot on the game and again the three-point shooting just just let them down 21.7 percent on the contest, and uh, that's as as promising as it looked. They were shooting forty and a half percent, I think, at halftime, and uh, yeah, and that was after missing a few late too. So they were right. up for a while. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, it, statistically speaking, it was a close game. I mean, it was not a game where Louisville dominated really in any individual category, uh, but uh, just a couple of plays here and there kind of added up as time went by. Coming up on the assembly call, we'll continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss versus Louisville, and we'll be talking about uh, some surprise contributions from a bench player for IU that uh, continues to get minutes, perhaps more so than we thought that he would this year. That and more next, along with Ryan Phillips, I'm Galen Clavio. You're watching the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel. That is youtube.com slash assembly call. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on the homepage at assemblycall.com. I'm Galen Clavio from Crimson Cast. Good to be joining you folks. You can catch me on Twitter, either at CrimsonCast sometimes or at DrGC all of the time. I'm here with Ryan Phillips, who is Rumors and Rants on Twitter. We're breaking down Indiana's loss against the Louisville Cardinals down in, in – uh, it's not Freedom Hall anymore. It's the Yum Center. But uh, it's, it doesn't matter because they, they, they lost the game. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Zach McRoberts, Ryan. Uh, this is a guy who started the season and wasn't anywhere in the, the 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 rotation it really looked like he wasn't getting minutes at all this season and you could kind of understand why from the perspective of Archie Miller you know he's looking at at guys that you know he can contribute for years to come this did not seem like a guy who was going to necessarily be able to do that but he ends up coming and he plays 15 minutes today scores a point or a couple of points um, gets a couple of rebounds has a three steals on the game really 
you know, made a lot of impressive plays. And, you know, he continues to make it hard to not put him into the games just because, you know, he, he really does fill that kind of glue guy sort of mold in terms of just going out there and, and getting a lot of the dirty work done that needs to get done. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's at one point I thought he was one of the five best players on the floor for Indiana and should have stayed in the game. Um, you know, I know he's not used to look, he's not used to playing more than that and and probably doesn't have the game shape to do that. But, you know, he came in and he mixed it up and he changed the game and he was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to do. And, you know, again, he's you said it, he's making it hard to keep him off the floor. He was a minus three, but he was on the floor at the end when uh Lovo was stretching it out so for the he was probably a plus player until the end of the game um again plus minus has its flaws let's not all rely on that because Al Durham was a plus two today and he really he turned the ball over five times it was not his, his usual self just um, use the stats how you want to use them yeah you know what I'll make him say what I want to say yeah um but McRoberts was uh you know, I, God, I wanted that three to go that he shot to go down so badly. I just, I mean, like, you know, you just felt like reward the kid with a three. Um, look, if he could knock down an outside shot every once in a while, he would be a much more valuable player, uh, certainly. And and he would be, you know, a guy you're, you're talking about being the second guy off the bench, maybe. Um, because he just he, he he is out there. He uh, he pulls in offensive rebounds. He goes as you said three steals today just from playing aggressive defense and not being cowed by by the competition. Um, you know, and and he's just a guy who mixes it up and is is in there and and you know changes the way the team plays when he's on the floor. And that's that's the best compliment you can give a guy if they if they change the way they play into a positive. That's the best compliment you can give the guy. Same compliments you're giving Colin Hartman. I mean, the team usually plays better when he's on the floor, and that's you know, it's not it's not about points, it's not about stats, it's just about you know, is the team better when this guy's on the floor? And 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 quite frankly, that's that's what it comes down to in basketball: is do you make, are is the team better when you're on the floor? That you know is the uh, sort of the the litmus test of whether or not you should be playing. And you know, I, I think that a perfect example, and I know I, I bring him up a lot, but James Blackman Jr could put up a ton of stats, but was the team better when he was on the floor? And it, the answer was not always, you know? And, and so there are types of players out there and guys who make you better are the ones you want to go with. I mean, they, they make guys around them better. They run the offense, you know, when the offense goes through them, you don't feel like there's a lack of confidence in them doing the right thing. Um, I think another guy who does that is Devonte green uh, makes a lot of mistakes, but I feel like the team sometimes is better when he's on the floor, that post feed he had, today pretty outstanding to, i mean yeah. to that post feed to juan morgan i don't even have to tell you when it was or where it was because you know exactly what i'm talking about where you put the the overspin or the, you know the top spin on it to get him the ball fast got the ball turned around wide open laid it in that's the kind of thing he can give you that nobody else on the floor can give you and, and it's sort of one of those things where you know that guy is starting to look like somebody if he can clean up some of those mistakes he didn't have a turnover today um, had some silly fouls uh, or no, I guess he didn't have a foul today, but he had some. There were some silly defensive plays where he overplayed and left the guy open. I guess is what I was thinking of. And and you know, Devonte is another guy who I, he's starting to make it hard to leave him off the floor. You know, because yeah. he can do things that nobody else can do for you. It's true. I mean, the the issue Devonte had in this game was he did, he made a couple of mistakes that that didn't even necessarily show up as as turnovers, right? But, you know the 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 early shot at the end of the half that gave Louisville the possession. You know, I mean, they ended up not hitting the last shot of the half, but and that shot that, was down and out too. So I'm just, yeah. it's one of those where I'm like, don't shoot that. Oh man, the I know. Got it. You know, but you know, so. I, I mean, it's it is interesting, like how these guys are moving around in the constellation. I mean, there's a clear pecking order on this team in terms of who's going to get on the floor. You know, you know Rob Johnson and Josh Newkirk and Juwan Morgan and Deron Davis and Al Durham are going to get their their minutes. They're all going to play above 20 minutes a game unless something catastrophic happens. And then it's kind of it's a, it's a little bit up in the air and it's somewhat situational as far as the rest of the guys on the floor. You know, Devontae Green's had games where he's he's played a lot of minutes. He's had games where he didn't play that many. I mean, today he only played 13 minutes. Uh, it's a tough matchup game and, for him because of the size, I think, too. Right. You know, no, it so. is. And I mean, I mean, you know, you look at the last three games, he played 28, 25, and 25 minutes. And and most of the season, this was actually the second fewest minutes he played this year. He, he played 12 against Eastern Michigan. He played 13 tonight. And, and the rest of the games, the, the, the least he played was 19. So, you know, you're probably going to see him play more. But, 
you know, you look at guys like McRoberts. McRoberts in the first five games had three DNPs in one game where he played less than a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is interesting watching as the the assignments continue to change, as the roles continue to shift. It's just at the end of the day, it's frustrating because you you really look at game like this, the the Duke game, to some degree the Seton Hall game, and it's like, man, there's just like there's like one element missing in each of these games that keeps IU from being able to get over the hump and win. And, you know, it's like, where, where does that element end up coming from? Is it on this bench or are they just going to eternally be like one element short of being able to pull off these sorts of victories? And that's something we're probably not going to find out until midway through the big 10 season, but it's been frustrating for a lot of people. I know it's been frustrating for me because, you know, you have a game like today where you're, you're in it and and you, you know, don't feel you, like you played badly, but you're just right. missing something. I agree. You're just missing something. Yeah. And to some degree, I mean, the, the part of the issue is Juwan Morgan and Deron Davis get in foul trouble, and you have to play Freddie McSwain for, for nine minutes, basically. And, you know, McSwain had that nice dunk, but he also had a couple of just absolutely botched uh, defensive assignments. He had a couple of, of, of really bad lack, you know, poor box outs defensively. You get the Devontae Green mess ups on occasion you get the Zach McRoberts where he just can't hit shots and it's like man there's just there's just these little flaws that keep creeping in to the way that IU is playing games and it's those lost minutes basically that end up accruing at the end of these games and keeping IU from winning them at this point and I think we knew that to some degree coming in it's still frustrating to have to watch it because you like the players you like the effort you like what they're trying to do they're just not quite able to get to the point where they can execute fully and, and, you know, get the victory sealed up. Yeah, I, no, I'm with you. I think that they're just, there's just, ele- there's an element or two missing from this team that would put it over the top. And I think, you know, if you had a guy who, could, who was a knockdown shooter, I think that would change the face of the offense. I really do. And and if, even if you had a guy who could hit 40% consistently, yeah. uh, you really change the way, um, that that you can shape your offense and the way you can build it, you know, from the inside out. The and in lieu of that, in lieu of having, you need a guy who can get to the hoop consistently. And Indiana right. has not shown that. They've seen it at times. You've you had see Robert it with Jones. like yeah, New, Newkirk can get to the hoop, but a lot of times he's looking to pass more than he's looking to lay it exactly. up, which which that get that gets frustrating. After of a while. course, yeah, and 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 you know, Robert Johnson showed early in the year that he was willing to mix it up inside and go do that. And as the competition has gotten better, he's kind of shied away from it and i think that that you know again another thing that needs to change i mean there just needs to be someone stepping up and saying hey you know what there's a there's a there's a flaw here i need to fill it i need to be the guy that 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 you know can can finish at the rim or that can at least get the defense moving and you saw it a lot today and and billis and showman i think pointed out great offensively there just wasn't a lot of movement because they weren't, nobody was going north and south. It was all going side to side. And we saw that a lot last year. And look, against the team, as we'll say it again, it's a team with that much length. It's really hard to mix it up inside. It, it is. But at some point, you got to take the chance to do it. You know, go in, try and draw a foul. Maybe you don't get your shot off, but, you know, draw a foul, put them in uh, the defense in situations it doesn't want to be in and, and continue to put pressure on the defense, even if you're not able to finish, even if you're not able to hit a shot, at least you're getting them to work. And it didn't seem like for long stretches, Indiana really wasn't getting Louisville to work at all. Coming up on the final segment of the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls, look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then deliver final thoughts on Indiana's loss to the Louisville Cardinals in last call. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the assembly call. IU post game show. I'm Galen Clavio here with Ryan Phillips wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's loss versus Louisville. Before we get to game balls, Ryan, quickly, I wanted to touch on the officiating from this game. Um, I don't want to stun really dwell on it too much because I don't think IU lost because of the officiating. No, but no. man, you want to talk about – I mean, like, I, the, the idea that you wouldn't have, like, a, a crew that could consistently call a game – on an ESPN game that, that a lot of people are watching. I've never quite understood how that works in college basketball. But this crew, pretty veteran crew. I mean, you know, Ted Valentine's on the crew. Mike Eads is on the crew. That doesn't make it good. It, it, no, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm saying it should make it good. Like, the, the, you know, it's, it's just amazing to me 
like touch fouls. I think you mentioned this on on Twitter. You know, touch foul one possession is a call, and then guys getting elbowed in the face on the next possession, and nothing's getting called. And, and it went both ways. This is not a, This is no, not. It, a, it was. It was definitely not an anti-Indiana thing. Yeah. It was just. It's frustrating as a fan watching a game like that. Um, yeah, I mean the fouls were seventeen for Indiana, sixteen for Louisville. Indiana shot nineteen free throws. Louisville shot fourteen. So this was not a. This didn't change the game. It's just frustrating as a fan to watch. Where you know you have two guards who are going for a ball kind of bump each other a little bit doesn't change the play at all boom foul guy goes up for a shot and has three guys hanging off of him no call i mean you know it just decide what's important to you you know like and and i don't care if you call every touch foul in the book i would be annoyed but i you know i get it you know because the freedom of movement rules and all that stuff it's like if you call every single one fine but if you're going to call three one way and then the rest of the game another way like find some consistency it's annoying and and i think that it should go back to this and i i think i'm gonna write a piece on this and the uh, on the big lead because it's driving me nuts is look if the foul doesn't change the play don't call it if two guys you know if, like if a guard is dribbling and a defender kind of you know gets in his way but doesn't necessarily block him from doing anything doesn't knock the ball away why are you calling a foul? Yeah. The guy still has the basketball. He, you know, there, there it was a basketball is a contact sport. People yeah. are going to make contact. You cannot call every little thing. And if you are going to do that, you got to call them all. And, and that just wasn't there today. It was just, it seemed like, it, you know, one minute, one thing's happening. And as you said, a guy's getting elbowed in the face, thrown down to the ground and he's getting called. And then on a rebound, a guy kind of just goes up straight bumps into another guy and oh they're going to call that i mean it just it makes no sense and it makes basketball at times it makes it unwatchable it does well and, and i think my biggest frustration is there shouldn't be a difference between a rebound and other play on the yes. floor and 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 we just saw just just muggings taking place on some of these rebound attempts and then you'd have touch fouls just on regular on the possession drives. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. I mean, just like basketball is basketball. Like the idea that oh, we're going to reclassify this particular aspect of basketball as being more physical and therefore not deserving of calls. To some degree, when you have a team like Louisville, the the fact that they're able to get away with being more physical on rebounds is how they're able to normally get more rebounds. Yes, and and so that does get very frustrating. Uh, again, not why IU lost. I thought that there were bad calls on both sides. I would just like a consistently called game where everybody knows what to expect, and that seems to be not a possibility. With I mean, when both when both coaches are flipping out on the sidelines, you know yeah. it's bad. Like because they were both <laughs> just beside themselves. It's the, to me, it's it's the Shaquille O'Neal principle. When when Shaquille O'Neal was playing, whether it was for the Magic or the Lakers or whatever, he was bigger than everybody, and yes. he was quicker at, at his position. All this, he would get mauled every time he went up for a shot. He would get mauled, and they'd call fouls about a quarter of the time. If somebody else had been fouled the way he was, they would have gone flying into the stands. And but because he was bigger and could take it, they let those calls go, and and they didn't call it. And it's the same thing as, as you were saying. It shouldn't matter. It, it they should be called the same for everybody, and they should be called the same whether it's on the perimeter, in the post, whatever. Um, so yeah, I agree. I just think there needs to be consistency, and it was not consistent at all today. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get to our game balls real quick. Ryan, you first. Uh, you know, last week I, uh, I I stole Jawan Morgan from you, so uh, I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go with Zach McRoberts. I thought that when he was in the game for those 15 minutes, I thought that he was a massive positive for Indiana. Um, he didn't score points. You know, he had two points. He didn't score a lot. But I thought on both ends of the floor, he affected the game in a positive way, which is something consistently, which is something that it's hard to do in a game like today's game. Um, I probably would have gone with Deron Davis, but he sat for a really long time, and I thought that that took away from it a little bit. Um, he only played eight minutes more than 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 Zach McRoberts, but you know Davis is sort of my my co. Uh, he would do my 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 B. Oh, no, 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 you know, not 23, but he was very efficient on offense. Whenever he touched the ball, he ended up with an offensive rating of almost a point and a half, which is great. 
he didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, he had three fouls, but he didn't. He had one foul in the second half. It really wasn't a big thing for him down the stretch. He looked really good on the block. He had three blocks. Uh, you know, he so he, he did start to change things. I think he was the. I take that back. Freddie McSwain had a block too, but he was able to change the trajectory of shots a little bit. He was really able to bother the Louisville shooters down low, and I, so I was really impressed with Deron Davis. Juwan Morgan certainly deserves praise, uh, but but I think that Deron Davis, with what he was able to accomplish in there, was was my game ball winner. No, I'm proud of you. I threw in a Deron Davis mention because I didn't think you were going to take him. I thought you were going to go with Juwan. So I was just trying to make sure he got some love. Uh, Deron Davis also four of six from the free throw line. Let's let's keep getting that up, buddy. Let's keep keep working on those because he uh, he needs to be more effective from the line, especially in Big Ten play. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked uh, w- uh, what Davis did today. I agree with you. That's a that's a big one. Let's go ahead and look ahead to IU's next game. They have a week off, and then they travel to Indianapolis to take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. What are your thoughts on this game, Ryan? You know, and Notre Dame lost to Ball State the other day on a, on a three-pointer at the buzzer. Um, but, you know, honestly, as, I, as I've kind of mentioned a lot when it comes to IU, I don't really judge teams this early in the season harshly. You're going to lose a, a silly game now and then every once in a while, and I thought that that's what happened. Uh, you know, they've got Bonzi Colson, who – uh, I think is one of my favorite players to watch. And that hurts me to say, cause I'm not a big Notre Dame fan, but it, you know, uh, being a USC and Indiana guy, that's that's yeah, really that's, hard for me to say. That's pretty. That's that's pretty much the the. Uh, the yeah, the, like, there's yeah, nothing you can't, you good can't, about you just that. Can't root for Notre Dame. I look. I, no. The concern with Notre Dame, like I thought, IU. Given we talked about this on Crimson Cast earlier in the week, um, I thought IU had a better chance to some degree against Louisville. I agree because. Louisville shoots so poorly from three-point range, and Notre Dame shoots very well from three-point range. Now, I will say that I think IU can fare better on the in the post against yes. Notre Dame than they can against Louisville. So it's really going to come down to can IU avoid turning the ball over? Can they get decent perimeter defense so that they, they hold Notre Dame under 40% from three? And can they compensate for that with, you know, with Morgan and Davis and whoever else kind of feasting in the post. That's going to be the big question. I also, I'm curious how the Bankers Life Fieldhouse crowd affects things. There aren't going to be a lot of Notre Dame basketball fans there because there aren't a lot of Notre Dame basketball (laughs) fans, period. Uh, So there should be a decent home crowd advantage in in what is nominally a neutral court game. Uh, Will that matter? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, Notre Dame lost at home to Ball State, but then they won – the, the Maui Invitational when they yeah. had nobody there. So I don't really know what to make out of this game. It's certainly not a game that IU is predetermined to lose, but it's, I think, a tough one for IU because that is yeah. a pretty good Notre Dame team. And it's a veteran team in a lot of ways, too. They've got some good veterans. I, you know, I saw them uh, in person at, in Maui, and uh, you know they had a great comeback to beat Wichita State to win that. Uh, Matt Farrell, the point guard, uh, is a very well-rounded player. He's only shooting 37% from three this year, which is low for him. As only. I say, well, you know, <laughs> I, for him, that's... I would, I would kill to shoot 37% I know, from I know, three exactly. at this point. Uh, TJ Gibbs is a guy who's really stepped up for them as well on the perimeter. He's hitting 52% of his three-point shots. He had a, he had a couple of huge games in Maui. Uh, Bonzi Colson that I mentioned, I think he's one of my favorite players in the country. I love watching that guy play. He's 6'5", has like a 7'2 wingspan, uh, can go inside out. He's, he's not shooting great from the perimeter this year, but he's still averaging 19.6 and 9 rebounds. I mean, so he's just a guy who sort of does everything. He's He reminds me, actually, the guy he reminds me of is a little taller, longer A.J. Moye where you look at his size and you're kind of like, that guy shouldn't be doing the things he's doing, you know, but he just does. And, and uh, certainly he's, he's on a higher level than AJ Moya was because he's going to be in the mix as a first team all American, but um, that's that kind of guy to relate to Indiana fans. Um, And so he's just, he's just difficult to stop. That's going to be a tough assignment. I assume Juwan Morgan's going to get him. Uh, That's going to be a real difficult assignment. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, look, and and Mike Bray, I mean, again, it's hard for me to say nice things about Notre Dame, but Mike Bray might be one of the best coaches in the country with what he can do with a team that's less talented than other people, you know, than other people he's facing in the ACC. Uh, he drew up some out of bounds plays in Maui where I was just 
you know, my jaw was on the floor because of how perfectly executed they were. And he's just a guy who, A, he's really likable, and B, he's just a really darn good coach. And yeah. and so, uh, you know, that's a tough matchup. Anytime you're going after a, a veteran team with a good coach, it's going to be tough. Uh, so I'm not expecting Indiana to win that game, but they certainly have will have opportunities to battle in that game and, and be with them, especially the way Notre Dame has played the last couple of weeks. I mean, they got hammered by Michigan State, too. Yeah. I mean, that was just a, a, a bloodletting. So uh, it's not like this is an invincible team. Um, certainly, you would have hoped to get one win out of the Louisville and 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 Notre Dame games. Uh, this obviously is going to have to be where they get that win. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo T-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique. Indiana-inspired designs. Visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. I'm Galen Clavio. I'm here with Ryan Phillips. It's time for last call. We, we've been through a lot on this game. Final thoughts from you, Ryan. You know, it was a tough It was a tough game. I mean, Indiana, here's, here's the thing that, um, that I appreciate about Archie Miller so far. Uh, when Indiana is not playing its best, it can still be in games. And, and you felt like the last couple of years, and I, I don't like crapping on the old regime or anything like that, and I try not to mention it, but you can see the difference is that when those guys, when those teams didn't play particularly well, they were out of games or they got, they didn't necessarily get blown out, but you just never felt like they could win. This is a game for most of it until those last four possessions, until those four, that four possession stretch where they only got one point, you felt like Indiana really had a chance to win it. And, and really had a chance to be in it. And and again, this is a top 25 level caliber Louisville team. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm really starting to appreciate what Archie Miller brings because it's the toughness on defense that we knew would be there, but also the team believes it can win and, and it's team hustles and plays its tail off. Even when it's not playing well, you know, there's, they, they, it doesn't affect everything else. When they only score 62 points on offense, you don't see them completely fall apart. And, and they they battle and they fight and and that's something that you know we saw against Duke. That team was out just straight up outmanned, um, and, and they they outworked Duke and they they believed they could win and they they pushed and pressured and and were able to stay in it. And you're starting to see that sustained against you know every week. And so um, you know, look, they may not end this season with with the best record, but this is a team that's gonna be in a lot of games it probably doesn't deserve to be in uh talent wise and and it's gonna push and it, they're gonna they're gonna prod they're gonna do whatever they can scratch and claw and be in games and and i think you're starting to see that so think about what happens when you get more talent in there and you get guys that fit the system better think about what that can project to with an archie miller team because if you've got the talent and you're fighting it, it's going to be very difficult to beat you yeah, and I mean, I'll kind of pick up on that a little bit. I just think this team's got to hit shots. I'm tired of the excuses when it comes to the offense. Agreed, I mean, yeah. you know, just, they just they were over 12 from three, and a lot of those were open looks. They just didn't hit any of them. And you know, if you're going to get play out of Juwan Morgan and Deron Davis down low the, to the caliber that you got in this sort of a game against a front line that is probably the toughest you're going to play all season, with maybe the exception of Michigan State. You, you got to hit your shots. And, you know, I, I think that the real story right now for this IU team is whether it's a confidence issue on offense or whether it's just an inability on offense, they, they are constantly stuck in this rut. And we saw it for long stretches of the second half where time after time, there just wasn't a confidence that they were going to hit shots. They didn't seem to know what they were supposed to do uh, when they had the basketball other than try to get it down low. And, you know, the more you do that, the more the defense collapses on the post and the harder it is for those guys to get the space they need to do their work. And then the fact that Davis and Morgan were as successful as they were, I think is a testament to their abilities. Uh, but Johnson, Newkirk, you know, Durham, Green, those guys have got to start hitting shots. They've got to be more more effective on the floor if this team's going to have any shot and even getting to the NIT. I mean, you know, at this point, you're, yeah. yes, it's a rebuilding year. Yes, it's a year where, you know, you're, you're relearning things, you're doing stuff. But, you know, if you look at a team like Ohio State, that team should be, by all accounts, worse than IU, and, and they've managed to figure out a way 
for their players to to score the basketball and, and to play with a certain degree of, of gravitas on on the floor. There, there's just got to be more. And I think it has to start with the seniors. And we talked about it at the beginning. I think it's, it's going to be the big thing that everybody needs to watch in this Notre Dame game. Can these seniors in the backcourt step up and give this team not just leadership in air quotes, but offensive production? Because without that, I think that this team is going to continue to struggle in games like this down the stretch. So anyway, uh, you know, certainly a lot to like in this contest for IU, but the take home uh, at the end of the day is that in a game that was winnable, they left it on the table. And it's something that, uh, you know, you're you're not going to look back at the end of the year and say, oh, gosh, I can't believe we lost to Louisville on the road. But in the moment when you're within five with a couple of minutes left, you know, that's when winning time is happening. And, And right now, doesn't seem to be a lot of people able to step up and, and take care of business. So hopefully that changes. Uh, I think that it's it's fair and right to have faith in the coaching staff to be able to continue to, to try to get these guys to realize that they can do it. And it'll be an interesting process to watch, and we'll get a chance to do so as they play Notre Dame uh, coming up next week at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. That'll do it for this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts are immediately following every IU game, and they're always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join so you can sign up for the free email newsletter. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Ryan Phillips, for hanging with me for another hour after the game here. Thank you, Galen Clavio. You've been a great uh, co-host for the last couple of weeks. It's been fun. I hope to come back and do it again at some point here soon. Thanks to all of you folks for listening. We'll talk to you again Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio and then next Saturday for the IU Notre Dame postgame show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Pop some new cascade in your dishwasher with 50% more cleaning power. 50% more cleaning power. New cascade does it better. 50% more cleaning power. New cascade does it cleaner. Switch to new cascade platinum with 50% more cleaning power. No need to rinse your dishes, and it's even strong enough for the quick wash cycle. New Cascade Platinum. Pop some new Cascade in your dishwasher with 50% more cleaning power. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player clients.